Hey, welcome to another episode of Consider This. Uh, I'm Drew Moss, and I am here in the studio today with our uh, worship arts leader, Steve Broadway, and uh, also a new face and a new voice, I guess, if you're just listening audio, a new voice, uh, Eli Stewart, who's been our worship ministry intern this semester and has actually been playing with the band for a long time up Mm -hmm. there on the keys, doing stuff like that. So, um, but uh, I got both these guys joining me here today in the studio because we're going to be talking about worship music specifically. Uh, we had uh, originally talked about calling this this episode uh, "Worship Songs We Love to Hate," uh, and but hate I, to love, and hate to love. Yeah, love to hate and hate to love. But I, I really do think, as I've thought through it, that probably our better title is uh, "Bad Ways to Sing Good Songs." Oh, I like mm-hmm. it um, because that's where we. That's that's a lot of what I, I think has been on our minds as we've been working through this. Um, is is the possibility of singing really good worship songs in in bad ways, in terrible ways. Um, but, but let me start, let me actually kind of work um, backwards and, and, and start with this. A, a while ago, this summer, I guess you'd say, probably the, the biggest worship song in the country, the one that was uh, sung on the radio and at any youth uh, camp I went to. And multiple and, people yeah, told me, just, I love it. We yeah, yeah. Sing it. Every church in America. Would have uh, been uh, Reckless worth Love. Salt. Yeah. Which is, who, who sang that? I know it's Bethel. I can't remember the it guy. It was Corey Asbury. Thank Corey you. Asbury. The there you go. That. So yeah. Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. And, and if you go to Sunnybrook, you may have and probably did notice that we didn't sing it. At Sunnybrook, I don't know. The youth group might have sung it. So the youth group, yep, <laughs> they're believe, a bunch of heretics. I believe that's happened. Actually, it's happened. It's been played at the table. I think. <laughs> yeah, it has been played at the table. We probably have it um, on our pre-service our playlist. Thing, so. <laughs> I don't know. But we never sang it in Sunday morning service. And and for for those who may have wondered, it's not because we didn't know about that song, uh, or or because we just didn't like the tone. There was a specific conversation had about that, and a, a specific decision made that we wouldn't sing that. Um, Steve, go ahead and, and talk a little bit about um, why, and, and as you are, maybe explain a little bit of our process in, in deciding those things. Sure. There's, there's a, a process we use to evaluate songs we have not yet included in our database. I'll just call it our song database. I won't go through all of that, but, but in this case, it was an issue of the lyrics. And w- one of the things that if you attend here, you would notice is that we've begun placing scripture references mm-hmm on all of the songs so that we have a direct link from the thing that we're singing to the text in the scriptures. And, you know, there's, there's a range of lyrical styles and ways of writing songs that are everything from a direct quote to very poetic expressions of biblical uh-huh. truth. And, and all of those things are acceptable. I'm absolutely not against poetic license. You know, uh, David Crowder is probably the best example of someone who could who could express in a poetic way a beautiful truth that you really can't literally talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a mystery in the Christian faith that goes beyond, you know, factual reporting of observable phenomena. Mm-hmm. It's just not all that straightforward. God is mysterious. Uh, but with reckless love, uh, and there there's an internet debate that just rages on yeah. both sides, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating to see the way people argue for or against this song, uh, because you do begin to see a, a, a consistency a little bit on one side or the other of it. So one of the things that we have, do have a concern about is accuracy. 
there, there is a teaching, there's a spiritual formation that happens when we sing. That's something I'll often say on a Sunday morning is the God, you know, the spirit is doing something in us mm -hmm. as we join together and declare truth. Well, if you declare untruth, you know, it just seems to kind of rub against what we think we should be doing. Yeah. And so there are two, there are two specific problems with reckless love that caused me to conclude. I, I don't, although I, I think the song is beautiful and inspiring. I'm not even against listening to it, but I'm not going to lead the congregation I'm responsible for leading in worship in this song yeah. because the word reckless is patently wrong when it comes to describing God's character. That word means to not uh, give any thought about the consequences of what you're doing. And God is incapable of, of <laughs> I mean, God knows everything for mm -hmm. all time, past, present, and future. It, so God really would never do something without understanding the consequences, right? When I mean, Jesus understood the consequences of going to the cross. God understood the consequences of sending his son to be born at Christmas and what he was eventually to do because his mission was to die. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. nothing about God that would suggest that he ever does anything without knowing or considering the consequences. So it's a little weird. People love it because they want to just think, oh, God is just abandoned to coming after me. And it's this very inspiring idea, but it's a human idea and it's not scriptural. <laughs> the other the other problem, which the first one is derived from, is a mis misunderstanding of the, the the lost sheep. The parable says, you know, that the uh, you know, if you lost a sh uh, if you had 100 sheep and one was lost, You'd go try to rescue that one, and then you'd bring it back on your shoulders, and you'd tell all your friends, hey, you know, I found this sheep. And so th there's all this rejoicing in heaven over one lost repenter, uh, mm -hmm. sinner that repents, mm -hmm. right? But the song seems to emphasize more the fact that the, the shepherd left the 99, mm -hmm. was reckless mm -hmm. in going to pursue this one that mm -hmm. was lost. Not the point of the scripture. God never abandons his people yeah. to go seek a lost sinner. So that's, mm -hmm. a, that's, that's again you know not even just sort of drifting that's like the opposite of of who god is that's not the point of that parable yep. he goes on to you know uh, the lost coin and there's other parables recorded right after that one that talk about the thing being found re reinforces that idea it's the thing that's found that's so that is the point of it all so there's rejoicing in heaven when someone repents so anyway sure that that's that's why we don't sing that song i think it is misleading and frankly theologically wrong although i I think it's a great song. I mean, sure. it's well written mm -hmm. and it's very inspiring. Yeah, this is and 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 we talked. I mean, we we talked slash debated this for a while. I was our, actually the only one that thing. was not okay with it. Yeah, until we talked about it, and then I, yeah. I, I think the rest of the team, as we talked, they kind of went, "Oh yeah, I Wait guess that second. probably isn't a yeah. good idea, is it?" Yeah. You know, I was so. I was honestly I'm I. I call myself the worship curmudgeon because I feel like I'm more than anybody else I, and the guy in the back going, I don't know about this song and I don't know about these lyrics, but I honestly, I was kind of like, ah, I'm okay. I mean, uh, musically, I'm not a huge fan, but lyrically, I don't care, whatever, you know? And, um, and so it really, it, I was, I was kind of on the whatever we can sing it thing, but I've, uh, you know, since I, I've gone, yeah, I, I think I can see that and, and I'm cool with not, but kind of the, the, the point is that we, we've tried to put a lot of effort into, uh, thinking through the things that we are singing as a body, as mm -hmm. a congregation that, that we don't want to just, man. yeah, we don't want to just throw because it sounds good because we, we believe there's, um, teaching being done in our singing mm -hmm. and that there's formation being done in that. So we, we try to be careful of that. One, one of the things we talk about actually a fair amount, uh, actually let me, let me tell you, can you guys think of uh, any other songs that we've cut? Any other songs that we've gone that, that won't, we won't sing that Ooh, one. We, mm. there has been, and I can't think of it right now. I know there's been one or two 
I know that we did once. We talked about yep. above all. Yeah, that was our very first one. That one. That's it. That's yep. it. That was probably like that was probably Rose. eight or nine years ago. Right. Uh, the the Michael W. Smith song, yeah. uh, and the last line is uh, like a rose trampled on the ground. Me. Yeah, you took the fall above and thought all. of me above all. Nope. And and that <laughs> idea of of that where you know where Jesus's consistent uh, testimony is that his motivation is the glory of God, right. mm-hmm. um, and not and not necessarily me personally. Though I believe he loves me, uh, but we just felt like man, it is uh, it drives a me centered. Uh, mm-hmm. message there and so we cut it another one we did and I cannot remember the song there was one we did just probably six months ago it was about right. love and uh, and but it was we sang it once yeah we sing it and when we talked about it, we're like man that that could have been sung at a wedding at mm-hmm. a non-christian wedding yep. and it would have fit right in because it was really more about kind of like the the beauty of love mm-hmm. uh, than anything else and we just thought this we're not I don't know if we're really singing about God here yeah, and so, Jesus uh, God the Holy Spirit if, if members of the Trinity are not included yeah mm-hmm, <laughs> uh, we're probably not going to sing yeah, that song yeah so yeah, yeah. so we, we dropped it now there are a bunch of other songs that we actually talked through where we we have this this kind of discussion every now and man feels like we should get up and explain this before we, we, we had one on we, we had one this past Sunday yes yes right. so we have we have these songs and this is where we get into bad ways to sing good songs mm-hmm. there are songs that are written well um, and and have some great stuff but because you because you mentioned it a lot of times in in song we're speaking in poetic form we're not we're not covering every specific of a propositional truth right. and mm-hmm. so and we don't always have the song doesn't always have room or the language to explain the context and so there's sometimes songs to be written and and I'm sitting there singing it going wow there's actually two ways to sing this lyric and one of them is really good and one of them is is not very good and so uh, this one we did this last Sunday Eli was king of my heart mm-hmm. yeah by John Mark McMillan yep. um, and the specific yeah the specific specific lyric is what uh, it says you're never going to let me down God's so good which all the time which when thought of in the context of the scriptures is God is faithful and God is true to his word which yes. is true but if you think God is never going to let me down. He's always going to have my back in my own plans, and he's going to help me to prosper. I'm not going to suffer. Just, yeah. I'm not gonna, That's yeah. just false. It's yeah. prosperity gospel that is just yeah. untrue. And it can even be, you know, it can, it can go as far. That can, you know, the, the far end is, a, is like a health and wealth prosperity. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but even the, I think, just a mild version that I think is not even, we, we may not even think about is just this, um, that he'll take care of things, that he'll, mm-hmm. that he'll help things kind of work well for me and those and and so um, when we say never gonna let me down we mean according to the promises that he has given Mm -hmm. and not according to the promises that maybe somebody else has given me about what God will do or my own expectations about my life and so there's sometimes we think man I wish we could just pause the song and get up and go okay before we (laughs) sing this next lyric um, this is this is what we mean or um, there's one that we sing that I love and we actually we change the lyric too oh yeah Uh, Mm Which is love on the line. You, you didn't is that want, right? Yeah. You oh no! It's want, what a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. Yes. You, you didn't want heaven without me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or without us. Yes. Yeah. Um, great man. We love that song. Such mm-hmm. a great. There's a, a strong Christology in there. A yes. lot of great talk about who Jesus is and what He's done, which I think is what our worship songs ought to be. And and there's this one lyric in there. Um, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. Right. Which I mm-hmm. actually believe is true. Um, I believe that there is a statement in which, technically, if he if he chose to do this, uh, but the the sound of that it, it smacks of him needing us there. Mm-hmm. It smacks of him. The beauty is that he wanted us without needing us. 
the beauty is that he came after us without, even though he was perfectly fine. Uh, but I, I believe that in our context, um, we sit in a context uh, in Western modern world that is a very um, individualized, self-oriented, and um, narcissistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you're we're in love with ourselves. Cute, we put yeah. ourselves at the center of the mm-hmm. universe. And so, even though there's that's that's probably you can make that statement in a true way it mm-hmm. it smells too much mm-hmm. of man you're so cute that jesus just couldn't bear the thought of not spending eternity <laughs> with you and so he came he came after you and 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 we just feel like man that's that just doesn't quite well, drive it, it, to the it, point it would suggest god isn't sufficient in and of himself yeah that he's lacking something yeah god is he not lacking anything yeah the same the same theology that says you know god made the world because he was lonely and he needed he needed people, and so he he you know he created Adam and Eve and created human beings so that he could be in relationship with them, um, ignoring the fact that there's a perfect joy in relationship within the the triune God within the three persons of the Trinity. And so we changed it to you y- could have had heaven without yes us. you could have chosen not to do that mm-hmm. but, yes but instead you chose to in your goodness you chose to make creation for your glory and make man the pinnacle of your creation yes and now we get to share in that yeah. Yeah. And so we just thought, man, this is too good a song to not sing. Mm -hmm. And yet that lyric seems too confusing to leave in there. And so we just switched a couple of things there. And um, can you think of any any other songs now you've got the moment to kind of I always want to call time out so we can explain it to our congregation. Um, Here it is. Here's if if, if there's a a couple songs that that you think we sing and and need to be sung the, the right way, what would you do? It's not. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. It's not one that we've done here, but I play for another worship ministry called Overflow, and there's a song that we used to do fairly regularly, and ultimately decided not to do anymore, called "Though You Slay Me," which is by Shane and Shane, and it's pulled right out of Job 13, mm-hmm. I think, where it's it says, "Though you slay me, yet I will praise mm-hmm. you," and the idea is, even though the Lord is ultimately allowing these these bad things to happen to me. Still, I understand that he is working for my good and that his name is to be praised. And so I will continue to praise him. And the song has this kind of angsty feel to it that reflects the Psalms very well, where the psalmist is often saying, I am so broken and I'm in this rough trial, but still God is good, Hmm. even in that trial. But because of the fact that we saw our context at Overflow is mainly going to be younger believers and somewhat more immature believers who might not have the depth of understanding to, to hear that and hearken back to Job 13, mm-hmm. we decided that it would be more responsible to replace that with a song that would preach the gospel more mm. instead because we didn't mm. want immature believers to be confused by I thought we just sang about how God is for me and how God loves me why is he slaying me now yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. so that was just one where ultimately the lyrics are biblical they are scriptural and even just refer directly to scripture but because of the context we decided yeah. that it was going to be more responsible not to sing it okay so 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 we're talking about ways of responding to or dealing with songs that you know, are the subject of our conversation here, right? So one way to, to, to deal with it is we're just not going to sing it. I didn't want to try to rewrite Rex, Reckless Love. Yeah. The title mm-hmm. of the song was the problem. <laughs> uh, we talked about one instance where we changed one line and felt like 
it's that's better and it, it's not a huge change in the song it's a minor thing and we're more comfortable with it uh, then there's the one like King of My Heart which we sang where what I tried to do Sunday was contextualize as we were singing yes. mm-hmm. yeah. so in between the lines I was declaring truth about God's character to try to add context yeah. mm-hmm. so he's unchanging he's faithful he's merciful he's just and these were the things the kind of things I was saying you're never going to let me down that's right because he's faithful and yeah. he's going to be that. true to his promises right mm-hmm. and so there's a bit of kind of you know indirect teaching that can go on and the other thing that we've done in the past is we will stop and explain look you we can understand these lyrics a couple of ways let me tell you how to think about this yes. as mm-hmm. we sing this song so we can also stop and t- and teach in the moment and provide an exhortation mm-hmm. to prov- to insert context into the minds of those that, that we're about to sing this together. We don't do it a lot, but, but you know, occasionally I think it's helpful. Yeah. So those are some of the ways that we've um, processed what to do with a song when, eh, you know, it's a little bit of a square peg round hole, mm-hmm. but we think if we shave some of the yeah. some of the hole off, yes. we can probably <laughs> put it in there and it's going to fit fine. Um, no, I've, uh, yeah. and, and there's one I think of is, uh, the anthem by Planet Shakers. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. starts with the by his stripes we're healed, by mm-hmm. his nail torn hands we're free, free. or something. Yep, which yep, is yep. which is I mean right out of Isaiah fifty three. By his beautiful blood stuff, we're right? made clean, regularly yes. scriptural. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, the chorus is now we have the victory. Yeah, Hallelujah, uh, you've won the victory. Hallelujah, you've done it all for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I remember, I remember my wife like turning to me and kind of giving me this. Sometimes she gives me this look when when it's kind of like, what do you think about this? I can tell she's wanting to kind of hear my thoughts or opinions. Sometimes she can see the wheels turning. Um, and she's kind of like, she just kind of looked at me, Mitzvah, I remember, and just kind of waiting for me to look at her. And she's like, I don't know what I think about this. Uh, there's, a, there's a scene in the movie Twins, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he realizes there's $5 million. And he goes... Five million dollars. Five million dollars. <laughs> Five yes. million dollars. And so what was the line again that you were saying? Uh, you you've have done it you've all won it all for me. You've done it all for me. So listen to this. You've won it all for me. Mm-hmm. You've won it all for me. You've won it all for me. You've yeah. won it all for me. Yeah. Right. And so so the word you emphasize totally, totally changes how you understand that. And so mm-hmm. that contextualizing is yeah. kind of how you have to deal with those sorts of things. Totally. The difference is, do do we mean by this that everything I have, my my justification, my sanctification, my ultimate victory over death was not something I did, but that Jesus won all of that for me? Right. Mm-hmm. Or do we mean that Jesus' ultimate motivation for doing this was me, that he went and did all of this for me? And that's right. and those are the those are those small things that, um, which I, so let me say that, small things. There's got to be somebody listening to this, maybe a lot of people going, okay, you, you guys, guys are trying I, too hard. <laughs> yes, you're, you're making too, much about too big. A, is this really that big? A, does it matter that we're right. that precise? So how would you answer that, Steve? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I'm the guy God has called to this position right now, and this is the heart and the understanding he's given me. So, you know, we, we try to acknowledge that the Spirit, we trust the Spirit to lead us in how we lead the congregation mm-hmm. and in this decision-making. I totally admit this could be overthinking it and, and trying too hard, for sure, of course. Uh, but I feel a tremendous weight of responsibility, yeah. and so I, can't, I just can't ignore that. I, I I don't feel like I have the right to just be what I would consider to be sloppy mm-hmm. about the theology of our songs. It doesn't mean we always get it perfectly. 
but I just can't escape the weight of responsibility that I feel in the position I currently hold. And maybe the next guy or gal who comes after me will, will have a different take on it. And I, I mean, that's okay. It's not like if this church sang reckless love and I wasn't the worship leader that I would go, I'm, I'm yes, leaving yes, you know, yes. this place. <laughs> uh, you know, I would no. I mean, honestly, it's, it's okay. I just think we're very concerned about, uh, discipling our people mm-hmm. about correct understanding of, of the character of God and what the Bible describes. And so because we we care so deeply about that, that's why it plays out this way uh, with us. And there's a spectrum, right? There's mm-hmm. there's people that would be way more conservative than we are. And there's people who would sing, Je- you know, prom songs to Jesus and, you know, it's and everything in between or play, you know, uh, secular songs to open a service because they're trying to attract unbelievers Mm -hmm. and our philosophy is sunday morning is for the believers Mm -hmm. right so there's these there are these underlying philosophies of ministry and church culture and it's it's within the context of sunnybrook that Mm -hmm. we do what we do and i might even do it differently if i were at a different church yeah right but i do it the way i do it because i'm here well, I like what you said. It, you know, we're we're concerned with discipling our people, and and we really do believe that Sunday morning is not the only. It's not the the end all, but it Hopefully is not. an avenue by which we, as the people of God, are discipled and formed into the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we believe that the things we do in that time matters. The things that we say, and especially when we are every week doing these things over and over again, that right. those those have have They're the formative. ability mm-hmm. to form us, yeah. to form our hearts. There's it's a, a, there's a, a liturgy, deal. you could say, uh, that takes place, which is, the, the, you know, the mm-hmm. repetition of truth and context and how you understand yeah. life and yeah. the Bible. So on some level, we might be overthinking some of these things, but yeah. I think it makes a lot more sense to err on the side of being careful of mm-hmm. what we're doing instead of being irresponsible with our worship just because it's a pretty song. Yeah. Well, so and th- you know, there are, th- when I observed early in the podcast, uh, watching the debate on the Internet was fascinating. It's because there are the, the two uh, sort of poles in the debate are, you know, got to be theologically accurate to, but I want to be inspired and moved. Mm-hmm. I want to feel something. And so the people who love reckless love are the ones who feel something mm-hmm. and it makes them feel something. It moves them. Right. So we're not saying we, we don't want to sing songs that move you. We're not going to do that. You know, we're Quakers and yeah. or I don't know, whatever the right yeah. thing would be. Sorry about all you Quakers out there. Listen to this. I didn't mean to diss you. Um, Quakers are wonderful. But uh, it's not like we we don't acknowledge that we're emotional beings. Um, we want to be moved in worship for sure. I, I want that. But if I have to on balance say, am I going to uh, emphasize the emotive value of a song over the theological accuracy of the song? I'm probably not going to give up on the theological accuracy in order to feel something, yeah. right? I, I'd love to have both. Yeah, we want to do both. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the song probably that does both better than any song I can think of that we've sung, and this is just me, is the Revelation song. Mm-hmm. It is literally a direct quote from the Scripture. Yeah. So you can't get any more theologically <laughs> accurate than singing scripture, but it's highly emotive. It's very, very moving in the way that it, it, it's very simple musically, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a very, very powerful song. So I think that's a great example of a song that can do both extremely well. Yes. No, that, that brings yeah. me to, so there are, yeah, two more kind of categories of songs I want to hit and, and, and let's, let's use that to kind of segue into, um, where we don't want to just sit here and just dog different songs. <laughs> so, so like what are, what are songs that you guys love? What are songs that when we sing those, you, you feel do both of those things, move you hmm. uh, emotionally, you're, stir up your affections for God, uh, at the same time 
um, have a lot of uh, weight in I love, content. I love Cornerstone. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, actually, based on a hymn. Yep. Yep. But sort of sort of reworked. Yep. Uh, and you know, the, th- uh, the Bible definitely calls Jesus the cornerstone that the uh, the builders laid was rejected by the, mm-hmm. the religious leadership. So uh, I don't know. That song really connects. One of the songs that connects with me and comes to mind. Cool. I love it. Cool. What about yeah. you, Eli? I one that I'm a really big fan of nowadays is Psalm 145 by Shane and Shane. They have a whole album of psalms, mm-hmm. and we actually did this one. That's old school, man. By the uh, way, that's like that was my college days. I know, they, you know they've been re-recording them, so it's not. Wow. Too okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but they're they're very good, and we did Psalm 145 here. Oh, it must have been a year ago or so that we did it. But was it a Sunday morning? Or it a, was a Sunday morning. Really? It was. Yep. Yeah, and it was. It's beautiful. It starts with just acoustic guitar, but then it really builds up and. It's almost verbatim, the psalm. I mean, it, it doesn't rhyme all the time, but it is just beautiful the way that it is sung, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And mm-hmm. then just uh, there's a lot of Hillsong songs that I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Crowns is one, and just they have a lot of songs that are very, very scripturally sound, but also are emotive. You know, they are powerful. They build in such a way that it does kind of bring you to that awe moment, Mm -hmm. which I think is a a big part of worship as well. I mean, we we do need to have correct Christology and correct scriptural basis in our songs, but there is something about being moved emotionally in worship that I think can be very powerful and, and and building so yeah all right i'm gonna give you i'll give you a few uh this one this one if i kick the bucket before you steve <laughs> um i'm having you and kyle sing at uh, my funeral is in christ alone oh, by yeah. keith getty mm-hmm. uh yeah, that's a great song that is uh, i just man I, I love uh from from front to back just mm-hmm. the uh beauty of that one also one that uh the presbyterian church pcusa kicked out of their hymnals uh, hmm. I don't know if you know that, really? but yeah, several years ago it was voted that that song was what to be was removed. So PCUSA, just to clarify the difference between Peace Presbyterian Church of America and Presbyterian Church of USA. Are you talking about USA. a verse in that song? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So PCUSA hmm. is the more liberal branch of the Presbyterian well, by Church. By the way, churches like North Point did this too. Did they? They knew that too. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's the specific song, uh, the specific lyric, the wrath of God, wrath of God was, was satisfied. satisfied. As when on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. And this this idea that uh, God's wrath was taken and absorbed by Jesus was not one that, that they liked. And so they, they cut hmm. that one. And there so were some, some of the large yeah. attractional churches yeah. removed that because yeah. they, they felt it was, well, I don't know. I don't know what their motive was. I guess they yeah. people That's are offended strange. by the idea that God is wrathful or they don't understand it. Yeah. And so they took it out. And we, <laughs> yep. we talked about it. Like, Old no, Testament? We're putting that back <laughs> in. No, I, yeah. I love that one. And uh, I like, you, you mentioned Hillsong, Man of Sorrows. That, that is uh, a yep. great song. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh Praise the Name. Those yes. are real, like, uh, didactic, like, teaching yeah. songs. Just mm-hmm. kind of reciting some of the truths of the gospel. I oh, love Praise those. the Name is almost the Apostles' Creed. Yeah. I mean, it's... There's, there's some really right. cool stuff there. And then I like uh, uh, this one we've done, like, two or three times. Uh, but Hallelujah to Our God by Jared mm-hmm. Espy, which is like Ephes- it's, it's basically like Ephesians 1 and 2. And that's that's also going on the funeral playlist. Uh, so <laughs> Not to the, be morbid. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love those. I love those songs. Uh, but but let me. Here's why I like those, and and this kind of leads to another thing. I love that it really does kind of focus in on 
um, the character and nature of God, who he is and what he's done. Um, and, and this kind of brings me to this, this last category of songs. Are there songs uh, that we deem to be good songs, but not great uh, worship songs, not mm-hmm. great for congregations to mm-hmm. sing together on a Sunday morning. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. So, can yeah. can you think of some of the, some of the songs that we have chosen? I mean, that's a great song. We're just we're not singing it, or yeah. or, or e- even if not a specific song, some of the criteria that kind of makes that right. So, when we're evaluating a song, there's several things we have to consider. One one is you know the range. Like, it, can you even is it singable? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, Chris Tomlin sings everything way too high because he sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. So everything we do by him, we take it down. In uh, Christ Alone is one of those songs that's at the edge of the range being doable. Mm-hmm. Yes. We can do it, but any if the range was any more, it's too low, it's too high. Mm-hmm. Somewhere it's going to get hard to sing. So we just we won't sing songs that are wonderful performers do them and they're inspiring and they're great but we can't do it because it's too hard for people to sing it we yeah. and not just our vocalists but the congregation more, as well. more particularly Congre- yes. i mean more importantly the congregation yes right because the the good singers could could do more range than the mm-hmm. congregation could so i have i have an upper limit in mind and i i try never to go above a certain an e if you want to know uh, <laughs> yeah, try never to right. sing above an that e. that was my guess we, by we'll, the way we'll occasionally <laughs> maybe hit a note above it but we, we generally try to keep it where it doesn't get any higher than that. The second thing I would say is it's got to be, uh, you know, memorable, something we would c- want to come back to. Uh, some songs just, yeah, it's nice, but there's like nothing. I mean, I guess you could call it a hook or a, or an mm-hmm. idea. Like in, in pop songs, you'd call it having a hook mm-hmm. or a line that is memorable. Uh, truth that would stick to your ribs, you know, something that will stay with you. There mm-hmm. are songs that are, they're nice and they're good, but it's just, just like nothing to, to really grab onto. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like I like a song that has a, a stickiness to it yeah. that we would want to come back to. You know, we've had I've had songs recommended to me that I would listen to and go, good song. I just don't know that we're going to want to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we we don't tend to put those. I, I'd prefer to have a song in the database. We're not just going to sing once and forget it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it has some staying power. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs yeah, it's interesting. By the way, like uh, yeah, I mentioned, songs I want sung at my funeral. Uh, for a long time, there were generations who grew up singing at their funerals the songs they sang when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's going to happen less and less as, as worship becomes kind of a top 40 mm-hmm. thing in yeah. which there, you don't, we never sing a song longer than six months before yeah. it's kind of outdated. And, and move on. Well, and, think and about Oceans, right? Yeah. Everybody loved Oceans when it, it came out. And the prof- for four you know, months. And the thought of a hymn getting overexposed was not a conversation anybody ever had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because those things stood for, you know, 500 years, some of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, 400 years, 300 years. Some of them had been sung hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they were the songs Jesus sung, obviously. Right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yep. That's right. So we should For opening up his sang. King James Bible. and uh, yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the truth is he probably sang the Psalms and other things like that. But... Um, uh, but but that's a great example of a song that had its time. Breathe mm-hmm. was another one. You know, it got you, you get to the point with these songs where you're just like, I'm sick of singing yeah. this. I've done, you know, you've sung it too much. So that's an interesting aspect of the more modern style is um, they can sort of wear out. Mm-hmm. Whereas the hymns didn't so much wear out as just the style sort of moved on. Yes. Yeah. Well, think about think about a little bit. Like I I think. Uh, uh, the the Getty song saying Christ alone 
it's sung. It sounds a little bit more like a hymn. It it's a little very, bit. It was that even and when Man it, of Sorrows also has a very hymn-like yes, structure. Right. When yeah. it was released, it didn't. It didn't sound like top forty. And so mm-hmm. when the styles moved on, it didn't. And right. uh, both both lyrically and musically yes. was able to kind of hold a little bit. Um, I'll tell you wh- where I get concerned sometimes in in listening to music is there is a lot of worship music that that sings about how I feel connected mm-hmm. to God mm-hmm. and how, how much I long to be close to you and how much um, I'm, I'm walking in your freedom and which is which mm-hmm. is like top got to be the top five in the top five list of words yep. for worship songs yeah. is freedom. If you can yeah. work freedom in about nine times, <laughs> you've got a you've got a worship hit. Uh, no. But there's a lot of those. I feel, um, uh, yeah, the, the freedom that you you've given us. I, I love living in your love and all those kinds of things. You are for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there is this, which I, again I believe actually a number of these songs are good songs that that can, that you can sing in your car that you can. But I wonder a lot of times congregationally. If those are if those are the ones we want to spend our time singing, well, which brings up two more things that I think about when I'm evaluating song. One is it relatable, uh-huh. and so there are songs about. There's one recently by Lauren Daigle, uh, "I Am Who You Say, you say I Am," yeah. but it's about all this darkness in my mind and all these thoughts I'm battling, and all you know, and and so it's it's a very narrow and specific description of a of a mental condition mm-hmm. or anguish someone is experiencing. And there are always going to be a few folks in the congregation who could relate to that. Mm-hmm. My concern about those is if 90% of the people in the room aren't experiencing it, it's going to seem odd to stand there and sing about something that's happening to me that isn't happening to me. Mm-hmm. It's not relatable. And so, you know, if that song moves you, you know, you probably ought to listen to it in your car and in your house and all of that. Yes. We're probably not going to to sing it. So the, re- the relatability is no, one. Well, and, and on the other side, not just the man, I feel so dark and I'm struggling so much, but on the other side, um, I feel so close to you right now. And I, yes. and, I mm-hmm. and I love it's the, if I'm dancing you in your are. freedom and those kinds yeah. of things yes. where there are, gonna go, uh, there, yeah, I'm really not right there now. are people in the room who are not feeling those things. Yes. And this is one of the reasons, not just for theological and for teaching purposes, but uh, I just, man, it is Oh, no matter how you're feeling, it is always relevant to to sing about who God is and what He's See, done. That, the, the, the unchanging, transcendent truth is very safe ground to stand on yes. when you're singing together. Because yes. if you can't relate to that, you, we need to have a conversation. Yes, now, not everyone is going to be going through the same trials and tribulations, or even any trials at any given right. moment. Right. But everyone in the congregation does have the one thing in common that is the need for the gospel and which, the need which, for Jesus. Which leads me to the other aspect of it, which is the song can be to God. It can be about God, or it can be about us as we relate to God. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it could actually just be about us. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we, I'm very cautious about songs about us as we relate to God. There are songs about our identity in Christ and some of the truths yes. about mm-hmm. us. And, and, I mean, let's face it, our, our faith is relationship, and we're part of the relationship. <laughs> so it's not like I never want to sing a song that says anything about us. That's not it. Yes. Uh, I, but but it has to put it in the right context in terms of what it means to be a Christian, a child of God, and and ultimately point the glory to Him. Yes. Uh, so you, you'll see songs that we sing that are literally we're saying we're singing as if we're talking directly to God, which is mm-hmm. great. I have no problem with that. And we're singing about God, which is great. I have no problem with that. And we're singing about us in relation to our relationship with Him, and I have no problem with that. But yeah. I, I don't want to get I, – I, I guard against getting skewed toward the it's about us side of it because yes. of, the, of the culture that we live in. We don't need to reinforce how awesome we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much, very much. <laughs> um, 
I, you know, I, I know the other thing I'll say this in, in, in my own heart that I have had to battle at times is I, I don't want to be the cynic. I don't want to be right. the dude when we're singing songs that just sits in the back with my arms crossed mm-hmm. and, and thinks, you know, and just talks about uh, this song's too fluffy and this is too, you know what I mean? Sure. And so oh, you could, uh, you could criticize any given song on oh, any yeah. given Sunday from some perspective. Yeah, yeah, sure. you can find something there. So uh, I, I, I want to stress for myself and I want to stress for listeners this. I, I hope that we have a strong desire to get it right and to sing true truths about God. But I also hope that we have uh, the patience and grace to... Uh, to, to be able to maybe smile sometimes when we're singing a song that's not quite as deep as we'd like and, and, to, and to kind of to, to sing with it and, and not feel like we've got to go around. I think it's okay to go talk to your worship minister and ask, um, so why, why, why did we decide to sing that one, Steve? You know what I mean? Or why don't we sing this one? I think those are okay th- questions I would to be, ask. I would be happy to, yeah. to have those conversations. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of learning something from someone who might you know help me have a perspective that i don't have yes and i i think to ask those questions of your leadership are are great i don't know that i want to be the guy who's who's just going around talking about how everyone is is uh light and fluffy and weak and and we need to sing better songs and and just be angry all the time i don't want to be the theology police it's bad for you i mean you know it's just bad for you to sit around and just do nothing but critique and evaluate everything totally Mm -hmm. you need to be able to enter in and engage in what's going on and then if you have a thought about something or a question yeah uh come talk to me you know talk to jim talk to anybody else i mean these are conversations about god ultimately which is a lot about why we're here totally totally Mm Final thoughts, either of you guys, anything you want to add as we close? Uh, I hope that, I just hope that everyone hears this not as we are trying to be better than every other church and and say that any church that sings Reckless Love is, is not Loser. as theologically sound, <laughs> but that you see that everyone hears that this is from a heart of trying to get it right and trying to worship well and I believe that worship can be a teaching tool. Worship can be just as, as good of a teaching tool as a sermon a lot of the time. Uh, and so Matt Chandler asks if, if, we can, if our congregation could learn our doctrine from our songs, what would they know about God and what we believe? And so yes. if, if we're willing to sing songs that don't have sound doctrine and don't have correct theology or Christology, then why not just go ahead and preach a a sermon that doesn't have sound theology. Yeah, the lines get fuzzy and you're so, not really sure where they are yeah, anymore. Yeah, so that's that's my my heart in trying to sing songs that are that are very intentional about the lyrics mm-hmm. and about our scriptural references and trying to be correct in our theology of worship, not just singing songs that are emotive and sound mm-hmm. good. It's good. So, which I love. It's mm-hmm. good. Uh, I would yeah, I'm thinking about how we value what happens on a Sunday morning. We, the staff, I can promise you, most of the, most of the staff are teaching pastors. Mm-hmm. My role is, is different. It's a little weird and unique because I do the music, I do a lot of the tech stuff, and I, my teaching is very infrequent. I love doing it, but I just don't have the opportunity a lot because of all the other things I do. And I think some people value you know, the message on Sunday morning more highly than 
maybe the singing and maybe others like the singing more yeah. than the message. I don't know. I mean, just, you know, if, if the way you value what happens on Sunday morning is, is based on just a personal preference or a style, then maybe we have failed to do a good job of helping everyone understand how much we value all of it. The singing is for God primarily, mm-hmm. for his glory. It does mm-hmm. do something in us, but we're not primarily doing it for ourselves. But I can tell you, Jim is going to tell you, the singing and the communion and the giving and the message and the, you know, it's not like we uh, hold one up so much more than all of, all of the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all essential in Christian worship. All of those things are really, really important. Um, so I, I guess I have a, a hope, an aspirational hope that uh, we can do a good job of helping everyone recognize the, the value of the things that we do together. Um, and why we do them together. And I just don't know that we've done a good job. We haven't focused on that as a, as a matter of course in trying to, trying to teach. And so we, uh, hopefully going forward, we can add a little bit of that teaching here and there and just kind of make sure we're all on, on the same page. Um, yeah, I that's like probably that. enough said about I that. I like that. <laughs> um, so there you have it. Uh, we hope this Sunday, wherever you are at church with your brothers and sisters, that you sing good songs in good ways about our good God. And uh, so we'll leave it at that, and we will see you guys next time. Amen. Got it done. <laughs>